0: I just forgot what we were about to talk about today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's okay. I remember. That's good. (laughs) Today we're going to be learning about the Luddites. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. Listeners, in my defense, we were just working on our schedule for the next batch of episodes. So my brain was elsewhere.
1: Yeah. They're not just just Swiss cheese brain here.
0: (laughs) I am, though. It's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the luddites i mean some people are bad at technology big deal
0: <laughs> yeah and, uh, why is this a problem
1: yeah i i don't i mean but my older relative who scolds me for being on my dang phone too much like they <laughs> all of a sudden have some sort of revolutionary potential now
0: uh honestly your wife who is terrible at computers <laughs> <laughs> hey, she
1: tries she's gotten better somewhat
0: <laughs> i don't believe it
1: ouch well i'll tell her you said that
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so they're not like Technology, technophobic or techno inept people. Right? That's not that's not the real definition.
1: That is the modern definition. I'm not someone who's like, oh, you're using words wrong. Oh, if yeah, everyone's using that. them that way. You know, but that's the modern usage of the term. It's very modern. The Oxford English Dictionary cites 1970 as the oldest usage they can find of technophobia to mean Luddites. Interesting. But the Luddites, the guys we're going to talk about today, they were a real group in history, like we're talking early 1800s in England. Uh, They weren't the first of their kind to do what they do, uh, but they were, for a brief moment, a right terror striking at the hearts of the emerging capitalist class.
0: Whoa, okay, that sounds intense. I don't know about the right part of the terror, but I like the second half of that.
1: Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't mean, I meant in the cool, like in the like powerful. uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) Not in like the right wing. (laughs)
0: Okay, good. Then I like all of it.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Just getting a little flowery maybe, but uh, we'll talk about kind of what they did, who they were, if they were cool or not, and kind of how they changed the course of historical events. And ultimately, of course, we'll get into a discussion of like, what can we learn from them?
0: Great. I'm picturing our... Are they cool or not? Discussion to involve giving them a rating, like how many sunglasses we would give them out of five. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, great.
1: Uh, so jump in with with questions at any time as we're going through. Will do. Is there want to do? Yes, I do. All right. So first up, who were the Luddites? The Luddite movement emerged in the early 1800s. Uh, They were workers who rose up against their bosses and destroyed their bosses' machinery.
0: Okay, so this is one thing I like to do when we talk about revolutionary movements is kind of place it in context in terms of like, what was Marx doing around this time? So this is, you said early 1800s?
1: Yeah, so we're talking about their first actions happened in 1811.
0: Marx's shit was until later, right?
1: Yeah, Marx doesn't write the Communist Manifesto till...
0: 1890s? Earlier than that. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm bad at numbers.
1: 1848. Okay, okay. He is not born until 1818. Oh, damn. So he's not literally around yet.
0: (laughs) He does reference them, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, he does write about them in capital.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, popping off. Destroying machinery. What kind of machinery? Why are they destroying it?
1: All right. Yeah. Good question. So (laughs) let's take a look at their historical circumstances to figure it out. Right. So, first of all, they are not the first people to start smashing machines. Uh, In fact, this had been going on since machines were introduced into the manufacturing process. Uh, Karl Marx, like we just mentioned, wrote about this, wrote about the Luddites specifically, but also their predecessors. This is in capital in Chapter 15, The Machinery and Modern Industry, Section 5, called The Strife Between Workman and Machine, and uh, he talks about, like, different instances of this. He says, you know, way back in 1529, the mayor of Danzig apparently either str- either had this guy strangled or drowned, Whoa. the inventor of uh, a ribbon loom, because he was worried that it, the invention would cost people jobs so he just killed the dude
0: <laughs> strangled or drowned wow okay <laughs> in Leyden in
1: 1629 the people rioted against a ribbon loom and so the town council banned it
0: okay no ribbons fuck ribbons molly
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah poor molly this is her it's her hellscape. nightmare <laughs> yeah uh 1630 there was a sawmill in england that was just destroyed by the people There was, like, apparently a lot of resistance to that. Gradually, the government kind of backed up the sawmill, you know, as a technology and said, like, no, we're going to do this sort of thing. But people were resistant to it. Um, That's back in 1630. In 1758, in England, you had the first water-powered wool shearing machine set on fire uh, by 100,000 people who it had made unemployed. So there were these isolated incidents as precedent for the luddites going around and smashing up machines
0: yeah i mean it makes sense so you you hear modern arguments against technology today of like where are people gonna work and stuff like that but it's mostly sold to us as a very positive thing now
1: yeah it's like it's okay you're gonna find a cooler job that's easier learn to code that sort of thing
0: <laughs> have you tried this Ugh.
1: so you're right there's kind of a modern parallel but when looking at the luddites we got to say okay fine, there are precedents, but they, you know, people usually don't just up and start doing widespread destruction without (laughs) some sort of reason.
0: Most times. I don't know. I have days, (laughs) Mondays, am I right?
1: (laughs) We're all there sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But let's look specifically at the early 1800s when they are, one thing that's going on is the Napoleonic Wars.
0: All right. What are these wars? I mean, I guess Napoleon was involved. He wanted to take over everything, I think.
1: Sort of, yeah. we wanted to expand. Um, it's it's too complicated. We're not going to get into it. Yeah, no. 1803 to 1815, a series of wars, all with like coalitions. Um, Napoleon's France and its client states or, you know, allies slash countries that it's conquered uh, versus uh, various coalitions, coalitions like three through seven, led by or financed by the United Kingdom. The main thing we need to know about the napoleonic wars for what we're talking about here is their cost
0: sounds expensive
1: yes yeah obviously they cost a lot of lives and just like today that's mostly the lives of the poor working class people they also had a huge economic cost like you mentioned they're super expensive and again this is also borne by the poor there were food shortages and inflation Uh, the war is super expensive and so the british as its biggest funders are pouring millions of pounds into their own military budget and to fund their allies' armies, too.
0: Sorry, stupid. It is it is Britain versus France, though, right? It's just plus allies?
1: Plus allies, okay, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, like, if you ask those other countries, they're like, yeah, it's us versus France plus allies. You know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everyone can agree they're versus France. <laughs>
0: <laughs> France versus the world. Right. Okay. All right, so very expensive, very deadly Pretty long. That's a pretty long war.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, brief periods of peace because there's, there's just it's a series of these wars, wars of the Third Coalition, Fourth Coalition and so on. Luckily for the British ruling classes on whose behalf the war was being fought, this is happening on the upswing of the Industrial Revolution.
0: Oh, so they could build all the guns for cheaper and they can, I don't know, get a lot of supplies for cheap
1: yes yeah because they are economy-wide introducing machines into the manufacturing process so like you said produce more commodities specifically weapons of war but also just like supplies for your society anything that is traded on the market with less labor power Uh, industrial revolution one thing to know about it is it began in britain in the first place so they're kind of ahead of the game which really helps them out they've got like 16 million people versus francis 30 million people so they like you know really have to play this economic and naval game to keep it even Uh, so the industrial revolution increases their economic output by a lot but on our show we know where that economic output comes from you know that's the blood of the working people yeah yeah so surplus labor value the boss is able to steal from them and giving them just enough scraps to stay alive I mean, this is classic Marx and Engels uh, exploitation described in all the way back to the manifesto, right?
0: Even if you get new technology, that technology isn't benefiting the worker in the current system.
1: Yes, exactly. And so that's where we get our next big cause of the Luddites is this industry wide uh, rise of machinery being introduced. Okay, so Marx describes this as the rise of modern industry. Engel spent a lot of time talking about this modern industry thing being like driving out artisans and Immiserating everybody basically
0: do you think the industrial revolution was? Exacerbated by the like the wars at the time like I'm sure like is this kind of the beginnings of the military industrial complex?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it's tied up with it's always tied up with the affairs of state because the state is the capitalist state So they are hand in glove, like they're the same, it's the Spider-Man meme. They're the same person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: So when, you know, the high affairs of state where they're figuring out who is going to be invaded for what piece of land and everything. I mean, one way, one easy way to think of this is like a mafia turf war, right? And so you're trying to claim these little chunks of land so that you can extract the value from it versus your enemy, you know, your rival game. And, yeah. the it Part of that is making sure you're bringing in enough money from the territories you already control. So yeah, part of that is developing your your economic base.
0: Yeah. It's all kind of fueled by each other.
1: Yeah. You have machine manufacturing being introduced en masse, uh, especially in the textile industry. That's like where it's kind of focused. Uh, a lot of the machines that are being introduced are for that. One big thing that's happening that you know we we saw in in marx and Engels is uh that middle class sort of quote unquote artisans anyway right mm-hmm. uh they find themselves reduced to the status of you know unskilled workers what you know that's a stupid term, but like regular workers, yeah,
0: um, yeah, they have lost their status
1: yeah they they find themselves tossed out basically or now kind of tossed in to factories. Where they're working 14 hours a day in terrible conditions and they're producing what they see as inferior products and by all standards seem to be that these new machines are making stuff way faster uh and in huge numbers for more profit but like shittier versions of the textiles that the artisans were making
0: absolutely like this is something william morris was really pissed about like it it is a trade-off in that sense and this is also an issue in terms of, like, safety both for the workers and for the end product. Like, this is when you get a lot of issues with, like, putting bleach into flour and milk and shit like that, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I mean, you can even see less personally dangerous versions of that nowadays. But I think large-scale, very ecologically dangerous, like fast fashion and stuff. And not to mention the danger that it brings to the, to the workers who are, you know, whose blood is wrung to make that. Yeah, yeah. So, you have this going on. Workers' wages are falling uh, as there are so many of these artisans out of work flooding the city centers to work in these factories. You can pay people shit because there's so many of them, right? It's kind of the opposite of the labor shortage the capital strike are facing now, where employers don't want to pay enough to lure people in. Uh, Two jobs and everything because there aren't enough of them, you know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. it's the
1: opposite problem. Yeah. And so wages fell, hours rose, we said 14 hour days, tons Oof. of hours uh, and just swaths of people are being put out on the street with no unemployment benefits, nothing but like the poorhouse is the times we're talking about, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And those are just like horrible places to be.
1: Yeah. So all around, all around, all the working people all the consumers even, they're having to buy shittier things. Everything's worse for everybody but the people who are making all this profit off of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you can argue like, oh, well, wasn't the standard of living improving and like the GDP and like all this other shit? And it's like, at what cost though? You know, like even the standard of living question, it's like, for who? Like, what is our average based on? Like, I have questions about that, you know?
1: Yeah, no, you're you're spot on with that. Uh, there's actually a Uh, monograph written by Patrick O'Brien, who's like a London School of Economics guy. So like, you know, by no means like a Marxist. (laughs) Definitely Uh, not. But he was looking at like the effect of the Napoleonic Wars on like Britain's economy and basically says uh, that, yeah, you know, like it kind of ends up being good for the national economy, GDP, those sorts of numbers. Uh, But the most negative impact was a drop in living standards for the urban working classes. So I mean, they admit it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and you you see the same thing happening today. Like our GDP isn't doing too badly, but it's like I don't think you could talk to anyone who's being like who's gonna feel good right now. You know, like a normal person. <laughs> yes, know? yeah,
1: normal human beings. So that's the uh, that's the situation that the luddites find themselves in.
0: Okay, bad times.
1: Yeah, and the luddites <laughs> here are just they're just workers. They're not a weird group right now. They're just they're just workers. And initially, what they start doing is petitioning the capitalists and the government, saying, "Hey, things suck. Please fix them."
0: Reformist.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are asking for minimum wage laws. Uh, they're asking for the capitalists to like share some of this—the increased profits that they're getting from all this increased productivity. Uh, they're asking for standards for like the quality of goods made by the machines. They're asking for training standards for workers. They're asking for minimum labor standards like safety and stuff.
0: They're literally asking for the bare minimum.
1: Yes. Yeah. Tax funded pensions. Uh, Some of them are even just asking for time to transition to new trades. Like, don't introduce the machine so fast. So that we can have time to figure out what to do next.
0: Wow. They're going to go to that coding boot camp.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I got to grow my hydroponic tomatoes or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's that's how <laughs> that's my favorite one low level they are right now. They're just like, please, come on.
0: Come on. Can I have I mean, this is this Dickensian time because they are saying, can I have some more?
1: <laughs> Let's see. I, I'm surprisingly shitty at years for us because
0: dickens sucks hot take dickens, dickens is, sucks
1: some of his stuff is interesting it's kind of funny whatever uh he was also not born till 1812
0: so oh okay so yeah they're, they're asking for the bare minimum they're they're just voting they're they're out there they're saying we can make this better i do i kind of like that they do that though like they don't go straight to like oh it's the machines fault let's destroy the machines because like that's stupid so i think that's probably like the image we have of this term it's like oh i'm confused i'm just gonna beat up the machine they're able to differentiate the symptom from the cause you know
1: exactly yeah machine breaking was a specific tactic when the initial tactic of asking nicely (laughs) how'd that go so that yeah that that did not work um (laughs) i'm shocked the capitalists were still fine. Their government was still fine. Why did they care if the, all these people were not, you know, these losers of capitalism, they weren't, you know, they weren't doing all right. Well, who cares? Like get better, be the dominator, you know, since that didn't work, they changed their tactics. And so the real, the Luddites as we know them, this is where they start. It begins in Nottingham in England. Uh, it's in the spring of 1811. And they kind of start this secret organization.
0: Mm, You know, I love a free T-shirt.
1: I'm in. (laughs) A secret organization of working class people. They have to be secret because they're about to do some crimes.
0: (laughs) Good call. Good call. So you get a free T-shirt and a free like ski mask to cover your face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, This is the Marxist historian Eric Hobsbawm uh, describes what the Luddites do as collective bargaining by riot which I like as a phrase
0: I like that a lot and want to do some of that (laughs) you do not endorse that Um. no no god no
1: (laughs) so what they do is they secretly meet at night near like on the outskirts of town or wherever they could to kind of plan everything out and they'd start out by sending letters to manufacturers threatening them it basically say, take down your damn machines or we'll take them down for you.
0: Woof. Okay.
1: And these letters would be signed General Ludd or King Ludd (laughs) or from Ned Ludd's office, Sherwood Forest. And this is where they would get their name, the Luddites.
0: I love it. It's their little gamer tag.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Ludd fellow is an interesting angle and people have spent a lot of time trying to figure this out, but. He seems to be like a fictional or mythological person. Mm, Okay. Like not really a person. Not a real person. Yeah, basically a meme. Um, I love it. The first claim of Ned Ludd's existence comes from the press, like trying to explain it after the Luddites kind of take off. There's an article in the Nottingham Review saying that Ned Ludd was a weaver from Anstey who was whipped for idleness, who then retaliated... By smashing two knitting frames with a hammer.
0: Fuck yeah, Ned.
1: Another story around the same time was saying that actually he was a boy named Ludlam who was told by his father to fix a knitting frame, but instead destroyed it with a hammer.
0: Weird move, but sure.
1: Yeah. Either way, uh, he became this kind of a meme for the Luddites who took this popular image, whether he existed or not. There's also like reference to uh it could have been like a reference to the legendary King Lud. Ooh, who's that? Uh this is from Jeffrey of Monmouth's like pseudo-historical history of the Kings of Britain uh, account, where he he's, I think this is the one where he kinda says, like, yeah, we're all descended from Aeneas who was fleeing from the battles of Troy or whatever. Something weird like that.
0: <laughs> that doesn't seem right, but okay.
1: No, yeah, it's very it's very legendary. <laughs> And so that was a figure there. So it, people say, well, maybe there's a connection either way. They kind of latch onto this guy as like a symbol for their like frustration. Like, Hey, yeah, you know what? When you guys are screwing us over like this and you won't do anything, we're going to do something about it. We're going to smash your shit.
0: I, this is really stupid. I'm picturing the fucking anonymous mask guy, <laughs> you know, guy like box mask. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a, it's a symbol of a person who's not a real person. And you know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah, Guy Fawkes was a real person well, who tried to blow up Parliament and stuff. That's true. More it was a weirder plot than that. But <laughs> people use it in a way that doesn't really apply. So it's got that, that same idea, you're right, of like transforming something.
0: Yeah, like using a name as like iconography and to like increase your anonymity and mm-hmm. to like have something to rally behind. I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and to kind of scare the rich, too, like, because they sign it, you know, Ned Ludd's office, Sherwood Forest, like kind of a Robin Hoodish sort of figure, you know?
0: Yeah, I liked that.
1: Anyway, they send the letter to the boss, see if he's like, oh, shit, you know, and takes down the machines. I bet he doesn't. Sometimes, you know, once they start acting, sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll either stop the machine or they'll post up a sign saying, this machine uh, makes full-fashioned work at the old-fashioned price saying basically like we're making good stuff with this machine and we're paying our workers the right amount like basically saying no we're one of the good ones
0: Uh, okay okay that's cool
1: so sometimes they would relent uh but a lot of you know especially early on a lot of times they would not uh so they would go and make good on their claim and take down that machine
0: nice okay how'd they do that
1: well You mentioned the mask. That's a good idea. Mask or use some coal or something and disguise your identity in some way. Go in at night in a big, in a big group and, uh, and bust up the machine with some massive metal sledgehammers. And so, yeah, in just a couple of years, uh, they had smashed hundreds of industrial machines across England. They had, really hit the capitalist where it hurts this they destroy around if you take it in today's dollars around 2.2 million dollars
0: not too muchy okay i I love that you said that because i was just thinking i'm like i mean this is more than again it's more than just a reactionary thing of like machine took job they are destroying the capitalist thing that makes them capitalists which is capital (laughs)
1: yeah like you were trying to appeal to them as regular human beings with hearts and saying like we're suffering I didn't give a shit because they're not regular human beings with hearts as an economic actor. <laughs> they are regular humans. Don't get me wrong. They're not like evil cacklers or whatever. But like as an economic actor, they are soulless. It is a dead machine that you just sacrifice humans to. So you can't appeal to it in like a humanitarian way. You have to fight back in an economic way.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing they care about is their bottom line. And the thing that gives them the advantage over regular workers is the fact that they they own the machinery at this point
1: yes yeah so they go about destroying all this stuff and they're very tight-knit so they're a secret society and they have like the people on their side Ooh. people are not ratting them out uh pe- the, the government keeps trying to find out about them and it's just tight lips all around
0: nice okay i have questions yeah so is this a pretty local thing you mentioned nottingham is that is that kind of like the main thrust of it, or does it spread?
1: It spreads, but not very far, so it's like, like kind of that region of England, those sorts of counties. It's it's a specific breakout. There. Okay. It's not like across all of the United Kingdom.
0: Okay. I mean, they're secretive. So like, they didn't take notes at their meetings or anything. So like, how do we know about them? Is I mean, I guess we just know a lot from like the press at the time.
1: From the press, from their demise and, and the trials they're in. Uh, and... And yeah, pretty pretty much like reports of their deeds and people saying, well, this was the Luddites. I mean, it's theoretically possible that it was just, you know, it's some of the instances were just somebody else doing it.
0: OK, um, similar question then. Did they have any sort of like hierarchy? Like, was there like one guy that like this is this is his shit or it sounds very kind of anarchist?
1: It was very anarchist. There was no like leader guy. You know, you would sometimes have like local kind of community i don't know like maybe a ring you could call him a ringleader but like a, a local kind of respected kind of person but you wouldn't there was no definitely no coordination of this across the whole movement or anything like that
0: yeah i like that <laughs> i like that it's just like no <laughs> workers in this town got together and it's not just like this is the story of one guy how he changed the thing you know like that's yeah, kind of
1: cool mm-hmm. well the capitalists did not think this was cool
0: <laughs> it's shocking
1: they freaked out they thought there was a for real general lud oh they yeah. had reports coming in that general lud was drilling his secret armies in the dead of night <laughs> uh they had government agents reporting in saying oh yeah we saw general lud out there with a pike <laughs> in his hand and he had this ghostly pale face what the fuck and again again this was not a real person <laughs> They were just freaking out.
0: That's so weird.
1: They put out rewards for information on the Luddites to try to infiltrate their ranks. Um, but by and large, for a long time, and they start in 1811, uh, this this holds holds tight. Uh, they have the support of their communities, like we said, so they their identities are kept secret.
0: I do think it's interesting that, that the opposition lashes on to the idea of one guy doing this. It's almost like they're not giving the people credit as like a mass action thing. They're like, no, it's gotta just be one guy like spoiling the whole bunch. Like one, there's one riffraff causing trouble, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, they can't conceive of it. You know, they, they eventually figure it out. But initially, yeah, it's like, how could this be happening? Well,
0: I mean, it's (laughs) such an individualist culture too of, of capitalists. They're like, they, they believe the great man theory because they believe they're all great men. (laughs)
1: yeah yeah for sure Uh, the breaking goes on like we said for it's it's um, a couple of years it's not constant but they are breaking tons and tons of machines the capitalists end up resorting to kind of a mask off moment Uh, they say well we're going to defend this property even if it's going to cost people their lives
0: okay how does this work
1: so for one, they pass a law called the Destruction of Stocking Frames Act of 1812. Right, this is in March, and uh, it makes destroying or damaging these mechanized looms or entering a property with that intent a capital felony punishable by death.
0: Holy shit. Okay, how are they going to approve intent? What if you fuck up and you're just like, oh no, I knocked it over.
1: <laughs> uh, it could be prosecuted. So to back up that law, they deploy some twelve to 14,000 soldiers to oppress those counties that are seeing Glood-eyed activity happen. This is while the Napoleonic Wars are going on.
0: Oh, my God. Okay.
1: They are saying we're, we're going to take these troops that would be used to fight our enemy and instead use them on our own people.
0: Yeah, that's what to say. Like, you're kind of busy right now, army-wise. <laughs> Like, yeah. do they end up losing the Napoleonic Wars for this? Because that'd be hilarious.
1: Uh, I mean, they, at the in the end, 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 they do win, I guess. Oh, boo. But they, like, keep losing till the last, you know, the last one.
0: <laughs> so this definitely doesn't help.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's fine.
1: Uh, so the capitalists kind of set the stage for violence. They mask off and say, hey, we care more about money than about people's lives. Is that how I read yeah. that, right? They're just basically saying... We're willing to kill you to defend this stuff.
0: Because, I mean, you could just give in is the thing. Like, they had an option. They could have said, you know what? You're right. Like, it is fucked up that we put you all out of work and we're not paying you and all that shit. Like, there were demands to be met and they just weren't doing it.
1: Yeah. And and reasonable demands. They wanted minimum wage. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're pretty basic shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't even do that. When the Luddites attacked Roffold's Mill in April of 1812, uh, the mill owner there ambushed them. Uh, He had his hired thugs. Some people call those guards. I was told that was a little biased to call them hired thugs, but whatever. (laughs) He had those guys throw huge stones off the roof at the Luddites and also had them open fire on them and shot and killed four of them.
0: Fuck. Okay.
1: So you start to see some violence happen. This one wool mill owner named William Horsall, he was a super anti-Luddite dude, and he made a big show of at his uh, mill installing a cannon, <laughs> you know, saying, oh, I'm going to defend this with this cannon and brag to basically anybody who would listen about how he would, quote, ride up to his saddle in Luddite blood. If they tried anything against him.
0: Disgusting. Okay.
1: I mean, you can picture this type of guy nowadays. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> all right. The, the the person who's like posting online about all their different variety of guns that they would use to defend their jet ski dealership from Antifa. <laughs> that kind of person.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Oof.
1: That says, let the BLM protesters come here and see, you know. <laughs>
0: come and take it
1: that guy was william horsaw back then
0: (laughs) (laughs) he had his he had his big reflective sunglasses he had his baseball cap he was ready for his facebook profile picture
1: yes yeah (laughs) uh well so he was going around making those threats and and all that and the luddites for this guy didn't mess around with sending him a letter or didn't mess around with even going to break his machines
0: did they just go kill him
1: uh, on April 28th, 1812, a group of four Luddites ambushed him while he was riding on his weekly trip to market. <laughs> and they just shot him.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm fine with that.
1: Different accounts. Some of them say they shot him in the groin. Some <laughs> oh. of them say they shot him and hit him four times. Like, you know, they're four dudes and they each shot him four wounds in the side. Either way, he's fatally shot. Uh, one account in the local press there said that after he was shot and fell off his horse, that the that people came and to to see, but they didn't like help him. They were quote, they reproached him with having been the oppressor of the poor. They did not Damn. offer assistance, nor did anyone attempt to pursue or secure the assassins who were seen to retire to an adjoining wood.
0: Damn, that's the kind of fucking class solidarity we need. Ugh.
1: They just came out and this dude's dying and they're just like, you asshole, you did this to yourself, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Quick tangent. Yeah. This reminds me of a movie I watched this weekend called Heller, Come Heller High Water, or maybe it's just Heller High Water. Um, But it's got Chris Pine and this other guy. The other guy wasn't as hot, so I didn't pay attention. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But the story is like these two brothers from Texas are robbing this specific bank because they were trying to steal like their mother's land so they're robbing like all the texas midland bank branches and it was so great because at one point like they definitely got seen by a witness and she just doesn't talk to the cops because she just was like first off i was trying to fuck chris pines so like you ruined that for me Second, <laughs> secondly secondly uh, like everyone in that diner hated the bank so they like no one ratted on them it was nice. so fucking funny yes that's great <laughs> and i was like that's what we need we need more of this awesome diner people
1: <laughs> yeah people are smart enough to realize w- who side they should be on you know
0: yeah yeah and that that's what they're saying is like everyone's been fucked over by this bank like i'm not gonna i'm not about to help them and they thought it was like cool they're like oh cool you're robbing them and pay-. they were like paying them back with their own money it was pretty great <laughs> <laughs> recommend
1: yeah all right cool anyway Horsall killed 36 he dies 36 hours <laughs> later his last words repeated to be these are awful times
0: okay well who made him that way <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so some violence has started to happen And by this point, the awful times are going to now start being visited upon the Luddites. Uh, The capitalist class, as we know, is very ruthless. So, you know, you might get away with destroying some machinery here or maybe killing a couple of capitalists, like, short term. But, like, they're going to crack down, you know.
0: Yeah. They're
1: not going to let you build a movement to overthrow them overall without a fight. So... They start fighting back by the winter of 1812. The government had finally lured in enough turncoats, you know, to rat out, to, to play Judas against the Luddites here and, and sell them to the government. No. And so, yeah, they had put together enough information to to accuse people anyway over the next year the police sweep in and arrest over 100 suspected luddites based on these informant tips uh, and they put them up on trial and these are kind of i mean they're they're jury trials i guess but they're very like showy they're they're intended to convict they're intended to render a guilty verdict like they're kind of show trials
0: yeah and they're intended to i'm sure intimidate too
1: yes for sure Around 30 out of the whole total are acquitted because, like, it was just super flimsy evidence on them. It was, you know, just somebody didn't like him and ratted on them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Most of them do not get acquitted. 24 of them are sent to prison. 51 of them are exiled to Australia. Uh, and 24 of them were publicly hanged.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. I was waiting for that number.
1: Yeah. There was, among the number of 24 that were hanged, was a 16-year-old who had acted as a lookout.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Shortly after that, the Luddites basically disband. Like we mentioned earlier, it's not an official leadered group, you know, so it's not like they have a big meeting and say stop. They just kind of have to die out because some of them are being killed.
0: It's just not safe.
1: They've been brutally smashed, yeah, by the capitalists, so... There you go.
0: What do we think was, I guess maybe the downfall of the lights? Like was, was there something they could have done better? I feel like they were pretty good, <laughs> you know?
1: I mean, I think they were unprepared for what the state was willing to do. They kind they had the people on their side, broadly speaking, you're obviously going to get a few people whose souls are for sale, but they, you know, generally had the support of the public. You may have like seen a little bit of, erosion of that when people started getting killed i mean people get squeamish about that pretty easily so maybe killing the dude i don't know maybe not the best tactical move
0: but everyone seemed to like it
1: yeah kind of (laughs) at the local level anyway that dude was a dick to a lot of people i think the preparation thing like not having a leader was also kind of a strong point but a weak point Uh, not just one leader but like leadership in general coordination you don't have any sort of framework for, okay, what happens when the government comes after you? What are you going to do then? Apparently, you're just going to
0: just stop existing. Yeah, that's one thing I would have liked to see, too, is maybe them spreading. And, and that's the one of the benefits of organization as well is you can send someone to another town and, like, start shit there, too. Yeah, yeah. And that way, like, you know, they have way more fires to put out.
1: Mm-hmm. They kind of, you know, they die out at that point. I guess a question also is kind of, were they like just a failure, you know?
0: hmm I don't think so because when, okay, this is a guess. When I hear the story, I automatically think of like the beginnings of like the British labor movement and really the reason we have any workers rights at all, you know, like I know that came later, yeah. but things like the eight hour work day or, you know, any sort of vacation time, all that shit. That didn't happen. That happened through labor action. I'm guessing this is like a very big precursor to that.
1: Well, there's sort of a time period in between. I don't know. For me, that's sort of an argument for like long term. The Luddites themselves don't really lead to that. I mean, like you said, the rise of labor unions and everything happens afterward and it kind of happens in an environment where they still obviously don't have these things that they're fighting for. So, like, the Luddites didn't get them to that point. You know what I mean?
0: That's true. That's true. I guess I guess what I'm saying is that it reminds me of those efforts. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder if they were useful as, like, a, a teaching element or something. I don't know.
1: It could have been, like, an inspiration to them looking back. Short term, though, I would argue, um, and this is something I got from Hobsbawm, the guy I mentioned earlier. It does seem effective for the short term in terms of keeping their conditions stable for a bit uh basically by the mechanism of fear uh, the capitalists had wanted to i mean completely immiserate them right completely just not give a shit about these people um, but the luddites kind of showed them that that would cost them they don't like manage to stop industrial capitalism from developing the way that it does but they kind of hit the brakes because kind of at that point, they are shown, you know, if we just do this with impunity, we are going to lose a bunch of money. We might even just get shot in the streets.
0: Yeah. Okay. So there was a, a reaction to this. I mean, I know you mentioned those few shops that were like, hey, we're, we're trying.
1: Mm-hmm. There's some of that. And we also see it in the historical record. In 1829, there was a Lord's Committee meeting. So like a Senate hearing, basically, for Americans, um, where they asked a capitalist if he thought that they could reduce wages in like this one region's coal mines. The quote was without danger to the tranquility of the district or risking (laughs) the destruction of all the mines with all the machinery and the valuable stock vested in them.
0: Wow. I love that. I mean, they are, they are being threatened and it's working.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 He said, he apparently replied, no, not without fear that quote his property and perhaps his life might be endangered thereby. They brought about a little fear as to and they made it costly. Like even if you want to say, yeah, sure, but they bro- they cracked down militarily. That itself was a cost too.
0: Mm-hmm. Because they were fighting a war.
1: Yeah. Like whatever you do to oppress us, like we're gonna we're gonna not let it. You do it for free. A- again, it doesn't pan out long term. I mean, because like we said, you still have the rise of labor movements, even the early utopian socialists and everything. That still has to come out of you know a capitalist hellscape, which is still gonna be there. But the Luddites, they prefigure that and, they, you know, they don't have that to draw on. So they I think they were doing a pretty good job given the world they were in.
0: I think so, too. Yeah, I'm very impressed that all this did come before Marx. And I think to me, that solidifies the idea of, of you know, we often get questions about human nature and stuff. And I, I think this is a great example of what human nature can be of. Trying to appeal to someone's sense of mercy, realizing that doesn't work and taking it into your own hands.
1: Exactly. All right. So, one question we might have is kind of how did we end up with Luddite being used the way it's used now?
0: Yeah, yeah. How come it means dummy, basically?
1: Well, the etymology is not clear, like we said, aside from its first origins coming way in the 1970s in the modern usage it makes sense for one as a simple misunderstanding or kind of oversimplification of the luddites like we mentioned it's easy kind of to see how someone can look at what happened without thinking too much and just say damn you know those guys really hated machines
0: <laughs> as someone who plays a robotic character in their D D session i disagree with this stance <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> we must embrace the machine and succumb to it <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but.
0: I'm uh, just kidding.
1: But to look at this, it makes more sense to look at the oversimplification as an intentional distortion based on the interest of the dominant capital class.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say this does feel very propaganda-y to me of like, mm, don't be a dummy, don't try to like push against labor practices and technology.
1: Yes, exactly. And and to be clear, we don't require a conspiracy. To take place here. I mean, these it's just they all see the world through a lens that sees their class or if you want to be less communist about it, whatever people like them, i.e. rich people, business people, whatever, sees that class of people as a positive force in the world and a positive force in history.
0: And it's in their best interest to frame something like, you know, destroying their capital as a bad thing.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) They're trying to protect their shit.
1: Yeah, you reduce them to being blindly anti-technology. It lets you make them look kind of stupid. It kind of establishes this concept of technological advancements as inherently good. And we see this happen with other historical events, right? I mean, like this is a fairly obvious thing that I think people sense. We've talked about it so much on our show is, is look at all the stuff that we're not taught about in schools or we're taught completely wrong about it. So, of course, they're going to do that to the Luddites, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. You wouldn't want to frame this as, you know, these guys fucked up some factories and it worked. (laughs) You know, like that's. And even though, like we said, like it didn't totally work, like in terms of like, yeah, that's that's the star of the labor movement. But it slowed things down. And for some of them, their demands were met. Like that's that's a scary story to tell a bunch (laughs) of workers if you're a capitalist.
1: Yeah, exactly one thing i wanted to get into is what can we learn about the luddites or what's important in that we can see in their story to today's left
0: good question what do you got
1: one thing i think that one big parallel is obviously automation i mean i think that's the big obvious one right
0: i said this at the top of the show we're sold as it's sold to us as a very good thing and you know people do have these reactionary movements of like no we shouldn't use it at all When to me, it's like the question of technology and convenience in general, it's not so much like, yeah, we can do this. So we should. And like that argument, I'm not as interested in as how could we do this ethically? And and the answer is you can't under capitalism, but uh, people instead focus on the technology instead of the class warfare.
1: You know what I mean? I think that's a good point. Because, like in our world, right? We have automation in terms of just manufacturing stuff. I mean, we have so many other, so many other technologies like self-driving cars or AI or the almighty algorithm or whatever. <laughs> that's that's. Um, I mean, it's less about manufacturing, I think, because of our economy. At least in the imperial core here, is less about manufacturing. But these all seem to be ways that. Kind of similar to the Luddites, right? Workers could be driven out of employment or even just more basically like our lives could be made more shitty by this stuff. Kind of like how their stuff was making like shittier quality things like people, I I figure, can can kind of feel in some ways that technology does make your life better, but also has like serious drawbacks that do objectively make your life worse.
0: Yeah. Okay. I have two points on this one. You can definitely see that in terms of like the reactionary movement in the United States, like the right wing movement of, you know, there's the the kind of Trump narrative of all these people lost their manufacturing jobs. And, you know, in a different world, that could be used to fuel a left movement like the Luddites and say, hey, this is fucked up. Here's what we're going to do about it. And, yeah. and to take that power back. But instead, they latched on to external circumstances and blamed other groups of people for it
1: hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: My second point was about um, Kyle's reading this book. And so he's talking to me about it all the time, which is Michael Pollan's The Omnivore's Dilemma. And it's about our food system and how it is all interconnected. And that's to me is an example of technology making food widely more available in the United States. But you have to ask the question, what kind of food? Is it ethically made? Absolutely not. You know, we have people propping up cows in stalls and like feeding cows eat corn. They are not supposed to eat corn. They're supposed to eat grass. But they eat corn because you have all these giant companies that have made it so it is profitable for them to make as much corn as possible. And thus screwing over farmers. Like it's a whole thing. Like our entire economy is propped up on corn. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) like It's
0: insane. And the reason they're doing this is because they can get a ton of byproducts out of corn. It helps with like the plastics industry and the oil industry and like the fucking military industrial complex. And like, you can say maybe it is efficient in terms of like pure number capitalist efficient, mm-hmm. but it is a back ass way to run your food system. It is making us unhealthier. It is making us um, like not have control over what we eat. It is all in all, a bad system but it's good in this one particular way
1: yeah and i think that's kind of what we're kind of what we're seeing across the board is yeah it's it's good for the capitalists kind of like with the luddites i mean this these machines and everything the the, the rise of modern industry in the industrial revolution was super good for the gdp numbers and everything for the capitalists but it did lead to a decline in living standards for the urban working class like they said So like you were saying earlier, we don't have a problem with just technology. And the Lodais didn't have a problem with just technology. They weren't just like, this is too complicated. Let's go back (laughs) to simpler times. They were saying like, we have a problem with this being used just to benefit the capitalist class. While we're told to fuck off, we're told to enjoy the shittier world that we are now being made to live in.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, nowadays, you could look at it as a trade-off of like, oh, but I have a nice phone. These guys weren't even getting nice phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were getting, like, shit products with no money, no benefits, just nothing. They mm-hmm. weren't getting anything out of this. They were getting worse working hours.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even now, we, for a long time, had the bargain of, hey, uh, put up with this stuff, but treats. And we're kind of gradually saying we're not even going to get the treats in the next step. Nope.
0: <laughs> Definitely not.
1: So,
0: I don't, know. I don't know. I'm repeating my point, but it's because I liked it.
1: Yeah, uh, go ahead.
0: <laughs> Reiterating that I think it's interesting from a leftist perspective when you are up against a capitalist who's saying things like, "Well, look how successful you know X Y Z was." You know, whether it is industrialization or standards of living or whatever it is, I, th- I think it's really important to ask, like, what are the metrics of success here? You know, yes. like who is actually benefiting. You know, you can say you're efficient, but efficient doesn't always mean good. And it usually definitely does not mean like morally good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Fair. Good to everyone. However you want to think of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you're definitely going to be hurting people in that equation somewhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So we're talking about like basically the, the, the Luddites and our critique of technology is mainly that it's being used in these capitalist ways and. There's the Luddite approach, which was to destroy them and and strike back at the capitalists that way. They may not have like kind of conceived of this at their time, but certainly since then we've conceived of it a number of times. One notable one from the bread book, right? Is what if we just take this place over? Like what if we make, you know, start using this technology for ourselves? How about that? I mean that we, we'd eliminate that whole, like using it just for profit sort of thing pretty quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminds me of, I I reference this a lot, but those murals of Rivera's, the, you know, when he depicts science as both having the capability to cure things and kill things. So like, technology isn't uh, always good or bad. It is neutral. Depends how you use it.
1: It could be. So I don't know, like, that's one aspect I also wanted to talk about, like, I think that there may be some technologies that are capitalist, that are not neutral
0: that are just bad.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. So think about mm, some technologies, try to think about how they could be used for good. Like even if it's a worker state or we're talking state owned enterprises or workers cooperatives or the people's commune or whatever, do we want the technology to be able to track our move, every movement and monitor our efficiency at work?
0: (laughs) No, I don't want that.
1: Like, I mean, even in the people's hands, I struggle to see how that would be like, like that to me comes across as technology that is inherently political. It has like a hierarchy. It has like a built in power structure in it.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. I was thinking more in terms of like a lot of technology and science is very holistic. Like you hear all the time, but like, oh, I was studying this, but then like I, I figured this out instead. Mm-hmm. So I I struggle with like limiting you know, research or something like that, like, Oh, you know, no more nuclear research. It's like, hold on. What if we like did something really cool with it and like, didn't do bombs with it? You know what I mean?
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. That to me makes sense.
0: Privacy. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that is a really good example of like, "Mm, I don't know if we need this one guys, because even that one, the argument of, Oh, well it makes things better tailored for you. Does anyone really like that? Have you ever met a person like, oh, I'm so glad I saw this on an ad. I feel so much better now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's one big thing to me is, you know, we mentioned earlier the algorithm. It's sometimes good, I guess. But do we really want to constantly be fed whatever content generates the most engagement or views (laughs) or, you know, like whatever the wild alchemy is behind all that? Again, even if it's like communist TikTok or whatever.
0: (laughs) Communist TikTok
1: thanks I spent a lot of time coming up with on
0: that one, yeah, I know I was like we gotta get a better branding team behind that one, but okay,
1: <laughs> that's the best I could do, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, maybe that's not you know maybe it's not the best way to be to engage with information to share information with people is to have it you know just governed by by whatever generates the most clicks, and I understand with a different with a different economic system, it would be different probably because you wouldn't have to farm out you know try to get try to generate as much ad revenue or what have you but i don't know maybe that's old-fashioned but
0: in a way i could see someone being like well you know by showing what's most popular it's like democratizing it somehow you know but i'm like oh i don't know i don't think that's right i don't think that's the the correct definition of democratizing you know what i mean yes
1: mm-hmm. you like popular versus mm-hmm.
0: popular versus uh accessible But like, imagine if you went to YouTube and like the first video is just whatever was most recently uploaded, and you're like, I don't, I didn't need that.
1: Yeah, no, you would want it tailored in some way. And this is, you know, not the most important questions, I guess, for the for the left, but still,
0: (laughs) I could see, I could see it being like you trust the user a little bit more, like, you know, early social media times, Um, and they still do this on on some apps today. Not as much I've noticed, like. And When I signed up for TikTok, they didn't really do much of this, but oh, early times, you. yes, they would ask you, "What are your interests?" And you'd be like, "Art, design, whatever." And then they would start showing you things that are tagged with that. Why yeah. can't we just trust users to keep doing that? It's kind of a pain because I'm. One time, I like looked at my old Facebook pages, and I was like, "Wow, I'm not interested in any of these yeah. things
1: anymore." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, <laughs> these are yeah. some
0: like emo ass bands.
1: <laughs> my yeah, my Facebook is a, is like an archaeological expedition. It really is. Yes,
0: <laughs> but I'm saying you could trust users to curate their own feeds and to and you know they'll have more leisure time so yeah (laughs) i guess you have time for that what else are we
1: going to be doing (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) but i i don't know i i I think it's interesting just because like i am someone who struggles with the algorithm a lot it's just ugh, it's the worst
1: (laughs) yeah and to i don't know to bring this back in i think it's interesting because like the Luddites, I think, were sophisticated enough to kind of understand what we're doing here and what we're talking about here, like they clearly realized the distinction I mean they weren't going after all the machines they were going you know they were targeting specific capitalists, right They realized that technology is this sort of like what in their case was being employed by the capitalists and was was being employed against them, and I think here too, they kind of can see. That they wouldn't be like just anti any sort of machines or in our modern parlance, any sort of, you know, organizing technology or automated technology or algorithms or what have you. What they want is tech that they would be in control of. What we want is tech that we would be in control of tech that, you know, the bosses aren't wielding over us because they're not around anymore. We want tech that would help free us and not make us slaves. I think is the basic thing of it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one reason I don't, I, you mentioned like, you know, why wouldn't you take over the machinery instead of destroy it? I'm kind of okay with them destroying it because this machine was invented for exploitation. It was not invented to like their standards of quality and to like, you know, they have little children running machinery parts. Like it was built for the current capitalist system yeah so i could see an argument for like we need to fucking you know start over guys this is a bad one let's do it again and i really enjoy the idea of literally taking capital out of the equation in terms of like you know who has the resources now nobody does (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know i'm okay with it
1: and it's kind of what we're saying here with you know these these super oppressive like all seeing uh spy technology stuff like that's just destroy that i mean like that's not good yeah it's, it's
0: not built for anything good <laughs> yeah and uh, you know i i think that would involve a lot of debate on like what do we destroy what do we not destroy like you could make the argument well like you know highways they're really bad for the environment let's get rid of them but you could also be like oh we might need them <laughs> you know like there's gonna have to be some conversations on like what can we repurpose and use like for a good cause and Mm -hmm. what is what is trash
1: yeah what does nature need to reclaim yeah
0: (laughs) yeah like we can probably get rid of fracking guys that one i think we're done with oh
1: yeah (laughs)
2: that's
1: Uh, a good uh if you're a listener who is interested more in sort of this topic of technologies and and whatnot Um, i was doing a little reading about this not actually reading it but i saw some discussions with the author and things Uh, a guy named gavin mueller uh wrote a book called breaking things at work um, which seems pretty interesting it's kind of on my future reading list but this kind of concept of like technology and who does it serve sort of thing is what inspired me you know inspired my thoughts here
0: yeah i mean I, i as someone who works in like kind of the tech sector i think it's an important question to ask Um, even if, you know, you consider Apple products, how many times has Apple dicked around and like, just, just jerked us around because they could, they're like, we're getting rid of the headphone jack. Fuck you guys. We're getting rid of all the (laughs) USB ports and the disc drives. Fuck you guys. They're not serving what people want. They are serving whatever makes their product look cooler and sleeker and more exclusive. So you have to buy all their little dongles and AirPods and all their bullshit, Mm -hmm. which I still do, by the way, (laughs) But it's because I have to because of my job. Right.
1: We're not. Yeah. We're not saying be ethical consumers for sure.
0: Yeah. But I'm using that as a very like relatable example of like these companies are not doing things just because like, oh, this is best for the user. They're doing this because it is profitable for them. Every single company is doing that. They can say there's this trend. There's this term really in in design called human centered design. It's a load of bullshit. Never believe it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the center that they're talking about is getting humans <laughs> to come and spend money.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you can pretend you can have all your panels on ethical design and all that, but like at the end of the day, you're you're trying to trap them, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's what the left, I think, is should be focused on changing: is how do we get to a world where we are developing technologies for ourselves like to serve the people rather than to exploit them.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: All right. Yeah. Another thing I think about the Luddites, great example, of course, of collective action.
0: Mm, For sure. I love the, uh, you know, the town covering for them. Um, I liked the kind of like lack of hierarchy and their secret meetings in the woods. (laughs) Sounds fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, like if one dude had just gotten mad and busted up a machine, I mean, you know, he gets hanged or whatever. And and
0: no one tries again.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's it's bad, right? Like, I mean, if one person goes and burns down Elon Musk's house or something, I mean, like, entertaining, very, very inadvisable. But again, just like a one-off crime that probably makes everything worse, right?
0: Yeah, it turns into like, oh, look at this nut job. Don't be like this guy, that kind of thing. But when it's a movement, you have to ask yourself, okay, what's causing all this? Because yeah, you can write off one guy's like, crazy or something but if a bunch of people are doing you're like all right there's got to be a reason maybe we should listen to them shit like that
1: right yeah they can't be ignored as easily right and like we mentioned too though the kind of flip side of that is the importance of organization because their scatteredness and everything while kind of cool and had some advantages i think it they don't end up being able to mount a real challenge to the actual power of the ruling class. Like they're not able to unseat them. They're limited to wringing concessions out of them. But like the capitalists are still in the driver's seat, you know?
0: I don't even think they need so much as like a leader per se, as much as a, like you said, an organization, like they can still be very like loose hierarchically speaking, Mm -hmm. but just have like, all right, these like, this is our council of people who kind of like will determine here's what factories we're hitting. Here's, you know, like I said earlier, like let's go spread this movement to other places, shit like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, this isn't to lay blame on them. early. I mean, like we—oh, no, no. Like what? We could time travel back to them and give them Mao's Little Red Book or something. <laughs> like,
0: no, I would die immediately. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, this is hard.
1: <laughs> you know, but but had they had they developed some sort of mass political party, or doing something along those lines, things could have been a lot different. You know. But as it stands, again, one, it, we kind of come back to this a lot on the show, I feel like, because it's just something that bothers me all the time, <laughs> is kind of our, our frequent warning of this kind of shows, again, how ruthless the government is.
0: Like they were fighting a war and they still were like, "Uh, a few people's factors got fucked up. No, thank you. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. However harsh you may think they are, they can always open up another can. Right. Like they've got the police. They've got the military, they've got the courts, they've got the death sentence, and they will use literally whatever they think they need to use to crush anything that they think is threatening them, their position of power.
0: And if someone out there, I don't super know how you made it this far, but hi, um, (laughs) is listening and is like, well, you shouldn't be destroying property. I think ask yourself why is that more important than these people's, like, lives getting destroyed, you know, being unemployed, out in the streets, you know, starving? Why is that more important? Like, and, you know, they asked nicely. What are you going to do?
1: They also didn't ask to, like, be put in charge. They didn't ask to, now the factory belongs to me, you know, or or they weren't doing socialism. They weren't doing communism. They wanted more scraps.
0: Yeah. It was fairly polite (laughs) up to that point. And, like... I, that's what I keep coming back to is that like the government at this point still had a choice to respond with, All right, let me listen to your demands and you know, I could see someone hearing that and being like, Well that's just giving in to fucking terrorist demands <laughs> It's like, but the demands are very reasonable and like you instead chose the most violent possible response. Yep. So like why, why is your fancy loom more important than these people surviving? It's because you want to make money. Just admit it.
1: Yeah, well, money and power. <laughs> you want to be commanding society. You don't want to brook any sort of challenges to your, to your rule. Because, well, and then it boils back down to because why? Because that'll cut down to my bottom line. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Woo.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just think that any attempts by the left... To oust the people in power, right? Whether we're talking anarcho-communism, whether we're talking Marxist, whatever we're doing, if we're trying to destroy capitalism and bring about socialism, bring about communism, uh, anarchism, however you want to do it, any attempts that we're putting together, we have to reckon with what capitalism's willing to do, you know? And I think this is an important thing to think about because... I, I sadly, honestly, I, I would like to not think this, but I do think that the, really the only way we're going to free humanity from like a bleak march to extinction is by getting rid of capitalism. Uh, then, I mean, we, we've we got to figure out what we're going to do when inevitably the capitalists fight back.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like we talked, I think this is pretty early on in one of our like different types of socialism episodes, I think, about there are some people who want a peaceful transition to communism. And I'm like, yeah, I want it too, bud. Oh, but yeah. like, uh
1: <laughs> I totally, that's what it's so sad. Like, I wish that was an option. And if it happens, I will.
0: I'm on board. I will, like,
1: yeah. I'll put all the episodes where I say that it can't happen on repeat. Let everyone listen to them. Like, it's great. I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. Yeah. That's fine.
0: Yeah, right. I'll wear a dunce hat, whatever you need me to do. I'll be like, yeah, I was fucking, fucking wrong, guys. <laughs> yes,
1: I will gladly be all-time street sweeper, like whatever the shittiest job is in the communist <laughs> utopia that comes. I will volunteer for the worst I'm of there. them if it comes peacefully.
0: <laughs> I probably won't do that. I'm lazy.
1: Nothing in our world shows that that's what would happen. Nothing in history, nothing currently.
0: Yeah, yeah. If If you're a reform-minded person it's going to take too long. We just don't have that long of a timeline anymore. If you're, even if you're like a syndicalist, you're like, oh, we're going to just like union the fuck out of everyone. And that's how we'll do it. Maybe. But like, that's also kind of a long game. I just, I just don't know if we have time.
1: Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And that's, sorry. We always, end (laughs) up sorry guys, (laughs) but (laughs) we we could, we could still put it together. It's just going to take a lot of work. And I just, I don't want anyone going into it, you know, kind of bright eyed and thinking it would be super easy.
0: In the story of the Luddites, we also see you have to have everyone on board to an extreme extent. You know, they still found people to wrap the Luddites out. And if you think about that in terms of the modern movement, like we have a lot of people to convert. and we're working against you know fucking centuries of anti-communist propaganda like we have a lot of educating and outreach to do because if you know there ain't enough of us right now and in fact we have active like oppressors still like i'm still sorry this fucking movie some of the movie in in this in Mm. this bank robbing they were you know in texas everyone has a fucking gun and so
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> they go and like all these guys like start shooting at him at one point because they, they at first they're robbing empty banks and they accidentally rob one like at lunchtime and so everyone's there and they all start shooting at him and then they follow them out they get in their fucking trucks and they're like let's get them and i'm like what the f- you guys are not police officers
1: yeah that's what i'm saying is
0: you absolutely can. So, like, if, if shit popped off, we'd have a lot of little fake police officers out there defending their country from communism.
1: Exactly. We were just talking about, you know, their version of that being William Horfsaw, But, you know, <laughs> our modern terms, we we have these guys that, you know, they think that they're the big bad man. And they always hypothesize what would happen if I were in this emergency situation and I had to <laughs> tactically, kinetically respond to a lawbreaker or whatever, you know, like that exists. And these people think that they are like on the, they picture themselves as capitalists, you know, they picture themselves on that side. They think that that's, that's where their interests lie.
0: They think it's a good thing for everybody. And so, and, and not even to that extent of like the horse saw guy was like a, uh, I he
1: mean, was he was literally was like a, factory a factory owner. owner. <laughs> so yeah. He was a guy. But horse,
0: like but... you have people who are bought into the system, even as workers. They, yes. they yeah. think it's good. Mm hmm so we got a lot of work to do
1: yeah and it's beyond uh, you know i think it's a little bit idealist to say something like well it's we got to convert people it's not necessarily so much that as we have to organize people like we have to get people into organizations or whatever whether that's labor unions or political bodies or what something that can be given a direction that can have revolutionary potential, versus just believing the right thing. I mean, we're not a religion really, it's not about what you have in your heart and that'll decide how we're gonna end capitalism, it's what you're doing.
0: That's true, I guess what I mean like, the more people that you have believing it, one, the easier it would be to get them to join that kind of organization, like when that has enough of a groundswell, and two, like if for some reason it popped off earlier than expected, you have people who are like more predisposed to join up then.
1: You're right. That's true. I didn't consider that angle as much, but yeah, 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 exactly. Um, you have tons of people who are not even ever really going to be in the party, but you still need those revolutionary masses. Like you said, when things go off, right, you want them hopping on your side of the fence. You don't want them grabbing their gun and or ratting you out to the cops <laughs> or whatever. You know, you got <laughs> yeah, to demystify people and tell them, yeah, what side are you on?
0: Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else? I'm very hungry.
1: <laughs> I think that, that's all I had <laughs> in my notes. I think we covered a a, a good bit here.
0: Nice. Okay. Uh,
1: what are we doing next okay. time?
0: That's a good cue. Let me pull up the doc. I have already forgotten. Teach me communism. Google Docs gonna pull up the schedule. Gonna see what we got. That's my little wrap for you today. Nice. Thanks. I'm leaving that in everybody. (laughs) Enjoy. Okay. Looks like we got Chile.
1: Yeah. So we'll travel back in time to 1973 and talk about the Chilean coup d'etat there uh, where Salvador Allende was ousted by Augusto Pinochet.
0: Mm, Okay. So I only know like the couple of paragraphs I read about this from open veins. So I will be interested to learn more.
1: Yeah, we'll dive into into detail. Of course we'll mention our good friend the United States who backed mm, us up.
0: Yay, love those guys. Yeah.
1: And uh just kind of, you know, a little dark chapter, crimes of capitalism <laughs> series. It'll be good.
0: <laughs> because, you know, this episode was so cheery.
1: <laughs> it was kind of fun. You had a good time smashing machines.
0: I did like the smashing.
1: Yeah, so it was it was pretty cool. There's a this is another song on that Chumbawamba album. About the Luddite, called "The Triumph of General Ludd." Ooh, and we might toss that in there if we Ells. want
0: to. Let's do it as an outro.
1: That's a it's a it's a good song, a little bright note, and yeah,
0: let's end on that then. Okay, <laughs> cool. See you next week.
2: All right, see ya. No more chant your old rhymes about, Bull Robin Hood, his feats I do little admire. I'll sing the achievements of General Ludd, now the hero of Nottinghamshire. Brave Ludd was to measure a violence unused, till his sufferings became so severe that at last to defend his own interests he roused and for the great fight did prepare the guilty may fear but no vengeance he aims at the honest man's life or estate his wrath is entirely confined to white frames and to those that all prices obey those engines of mischief were sentenced to die By unanimous vote of the trade And Lud, who can all opposition defy Was the grand executioner made And when in the work he destruction employs Himself to no method confine By fire and by water he gets them destroyed, for the elements aid his designs. Whether guarded by soldiers along the highway, or closely secured in a room, he shivers them up by night and by day, and nothing can soften their doom. He may censure great Lud's disrespect for the laws, Who ne'er for a moment reflects, That foul imposition alone was the cause, Which produced these unhappy effects. Let the haughty, the humble, no longer oppress, Then shall Lud sheathe his conquering sword. His grievances instantly meet with redress, and peace shall be quickly restored. Let the wise and the great lend their aid and advice, nor e'er their assistance withdraw, till full-fashioned work at the old-fashioned price is established by custom and law. Then the trade when this arduous contest is all Shall raise in full splendour its head And colting and cutting and squaring no more Shall deprive honest workers of bread
0: Hey there, comrades, just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question. Anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should... You can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. Or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon for five bucks a month. You get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up and coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes. So check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.